not in Kansas anymore. You have my curiosity. Are you telling me you built a time machine? The force will be with Welcome to the Get Real Podcast, the podcast where we get real about all our favourite pop culture, films and TV shows. And today, with me as always, is my not-yet-deleted co-host, Sam. You're planning on knocking me off yeah. and just yeah, doing getting axed. I'm getting yeah. axed, that's it. I'm going to leave you on the cutting room floor when we edit in this podcast, even though you're editing it. I've had my performance review with Chris, and unfortunately I've uh, <laughs> I've not you're been... slacking. Yeah, I've not been witty Working enough. from home. Yeah, I've been, I've been, it's been on war zone the entire time. I've been too, too busy submitting flexi working requests to him. But <laughs> he's, he's put me. He said, "Sam, you're not doing good enough work in that editing dungeon, editing these yeah. podcasts. You, you're leaving them till last minute." <laughs> <laughs> this bit's gone on far too long. <laughs> so this week, um, there's nothing new happening in the world of films. There's a tiny smidge of news, but we're going to cover the best and worst deleted or alternate scenes from movies because we had a few new ones drop this week so it feels like a, a subject to cover so why not while there's no new films coming out yeah for sure and that's it there's not really anything in terms of movie news at the moment a lot of it is she said he said kind of stuff where it's comments about previous things that to be honest you know what just just give it a quick google you don't need to listen to a podcast for news yeah. you listen to a podcast for for us and for it's really just rumors yeah that's, all it is. that's it on this lovely day, Chris, we're actually on Instagram Live right now, so we're doing this episode live again. We're giving it another try. We did this... Cheers to all the people viewing. Yeah. Cheers. Uh, we are not doing this... Well, we didn't do our Tiger King one live. We did the one before it live, didn't we? Yeah. So we're trying it again. Uh, we've got a couple of people live on here, so we might uh, try and grab a couple of uh, inputs and questions and stuff and and do it yeah. but oh I my the weather's a bit too nice for people to be watching it this yeah. time <laughs> i mean it is roasting it's absolutely boiling this is like it the is worst warm. time to be like sitting in recording a podcast but we have a job to do chris we have a dedication <laughs> to the gotta people keep those sponsors happy to that german listener who suggested our last episode topic <laughs> chris schmidt even though we his have... name's smith we have a duty to do, and that duty is podcasting. So here we are. Right. So do we want to just start from the list and work down? Maybe start with the heavy-hitting, nerdy stuff that everybody really comes here for? I'm going to get your opinion on something, Chris. Okay. How do you feel when you go watch a film and you then see a deleted scene that you wish was in the film? Do you have, Would you rather have a longer film with deleted scenes, or do you think that there is a place for these shots and these these bits of story that you don't get in the actual films some of them would add to the film and i don't mind having a slightly longer film if it adds to the enjoyment of the overall film or the story or whatever Mm. some of them are super unnecessary so if it means it makes the film over three hours don't bother but also some of them just aren't as good as the ones that end up in the film so they'll probably be what we cover in the worst section but then some of them are better, and you wonder why the hell they deleted them. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. I think we're going to have quite a few on this list that we were like, why wasn't this in the film? And it's most of the time it's because otherwise these films would be like three hours long, four yeah, hours yeah. long, especially with some of the Lord of the Rings ones we're going to cover. Every film has deleted scenes. You typically shoot like three to four hours for a two-hour film. Mm. Like, So there's going to be stuff left on the cutting room floor. Normally it's for the better. Mm-hmm. But some of these, maybe, would have been nice to have them in. I think people can be quite polarised on deleted scenes. I know there's quite a few people out there who will say, oh, we shouldn't have... I wouldn't want to know what was taken out of the film. I don't want to know what stayed on the cutting room floor. And yeah, you when get... you find out what was taken out of The Last Jedi... Not The Last Jedi, sorry, what was The Last One? Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> when you find out what was taken out of that, then, yeah, it makes you feel bad. <laughs> well, I mean, we did a whole episode on the Rise of Skywalker deleted scenes, really, didn't we? We did, indeed. Go back and find that episode, Star Wars Duel of the Fates. That's the one. That was, like, episode three, four? Episode four, I think. I think it was episode four is a bonus episode, wasn't it? Yeah. That was, was the first bonus that, episode. That was definitely one of my favourite episodes. 
definitely. <laughs> Just definitely. you saw my descent into madness when I found out what that film could have been. That you F- saw my, yeah. my my inner glow die from how much I liked the film to how much I despised it because we didn't get the better version of it. Yeah, it was so perfect because you hadn't read it. That was like so ideal. Also, it has the most sound effects in an episode. There's it does. Get it does. real, get real trivia fact for you. Is that the one where we have all the Gungan sounds in it as well that I made myself? Uh, yeah, and it's got the. It's actually got the Star Wars theme in there. So yep. Creative Commons and all that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got um, it's got dings and yeah. All right, we're, 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 yeah. we digress. Yeah. This is an episode about deleted scenes. Let's get yes. on to it. So how we're going to do this, we're going to basically say whether it's the best deleted scene or a worst deleted scene, because yeah. it's the easiest way of doing it. So um, we're not going to rank them or do anything extremely complicated like that, just best and worst. I think the best place to start is at the end. <laughs> we're going to skip to the final chapter of the book, find out who survives before we go read the rest of the book. Spoiler alert, Tony Stark didn't survive Endgame. Oh, really? So we're going to start with Endgame. Oh, dear. Um, We'll we'll touch on the rest of the MCU stuff, but this whole thing came about because um, we saw it was a proper version was released this week of the alternate Black Widow death scene from Endgame. Spoilers alert for Endgame, by the way. The film's a year old now. I mean, it's out on Blu-ray. It's right over there. It's, it's it's right up here for me. Yeah, I've it's been it. there for quite a while, so yeah, you, you've not yeah. really got excuses right now. No. Um, also, today marks eight years to the day that the first Avengers was premiered. It's like it's fate. It was. Jewel of the fate, Oof. maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll talk about that scene first, and then we'll go through the rest of the end game scenes, and then continue through all this. So, do you want to tell us what that scene was about, Sam? The the scene that Chris is talking about is Clint, uh, Hawkeye, and Black Widow on Vormir, right? It's Vormir. Yeah. And it's the scene in Endgame where they're getting the... Which stone? Soulstone. The Soulstone, which is the yellow Soulstone. one. It's the yellow one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and it's the bit where you've got Red Skull and he's saying, oh, it's the ultimate sacrifice and blah, blah, blah. And in the film, what happens is is they're having this kind of fight about who's going to jump and they're fighting each other, aren't they? Yeah. So what we get in this scene is rather than them fighting each other and trying to stop each other from jumping, they're actually being attacked by Thanos and his and his villain henchmen, his whatever. Yeah. What, what are they called? What are the... I'm not actually sure which army it is. I think it might be the Chitauri, but I think it's just sort of an amalgamation of all the armies is accrued at that yeah, point. Yeah, Jatari, you're right. I was about to say Skitari. Skitari is a very nerdy reference that we'll stay away from. Um, but yeah, the <laughs> yeah. So basically, he gets attacked by Thanos and his goons, and they basically they're they're running towards the end. It's this, who's trying to jump off first, isn't it? And yeah. Black Widow gets shot a few times. Hawkeye gets stuck trying to fight and protect her at the same time. And then she kind of turns around and then makes the jump off the edge as Thanos is walking. Yeah. What did you think of the scene versus what we got in the actual film? I think what we got in the actual film was a bit more heartfelt between the two of them. It added a bit more weight to their connection. Like it was a nice moment. Like these two characters have always been connected. So it was a nice intimate moment between the two of them, which obviously ended the same way whereas this new one we had a bit of the same conversation happening at the beginning where he's like he's saying you know what i've become you know what i've done now like i don't deserve to live Uh, she and she says i don't judge people by the worst mistakes and all that sort of stuff Mm. but then they get attacked by thonis's army i emotional weight the original one probably deals more for the characters but i think the alternate version was cooler. It seemed a bit weird that they were fighting over who's going to kill themselves. Like, Mm. they were actually, like, physically fighting each other, which kind of went against what they were saying about, like, you've got a family to live for, you've got more to live for, like, I'm a bad person. Like, they were trying to be noble in the sacrifice, but then also punching the best friend in the face. Yeah, because it's a bit like Hawkeye's doing it because of... He's trying to repent, isn't he, for what he was doing in the film as yeah. Ronan, where Black Widow's kind of, you know, she's not got anyone as such like what Clint has, and I think that's why, that's where you get that fight yeah. about who's jumping. I think that in the in the deleted scene that we got, where there's the fight, 
I think it makes it makes more sense. It's not as emotion as much emotional sense, but because she gets shot a few times, it's unlikely that she's going to make it anyway. In which case, it's like she's making that noble sacrifice because Clint's not well. Clint's not been shot. She has, so mm-hmm. it makes sense for her to jump. Yeah. Plus, from an action point of view, it's more action, and you probably got a bit more Thanos on screen. But you already get a shitload of Thanos. Yeah, you don't really anyway. see that much Thanos. He's like he's in the distance. It's quite a menacing look. He's out of focus, coming through the mist of the chaos behind, and you see him over Clint's shoulder, mm-hmm. and that's when Natasha like sees him, and then she just act drops off it. And it's sort of that moment, like, she knows what she has to do in that moment. There's no chance for second guessing. There's, like, no way that... Because if she waits, then they're both dead, essentially. Yeah. So she makes the sacrifice then to save Clint's life. But we also get in the film, she says that the Avengers is the only family she's ever really known. She's telling him, like, you've got an actual family. You've got flesh and blood that you need to take this stone back to bring them back. We can bring your family back. And that's how you'll repent for your sins. Whereas she's judging herself by her worst mistakes, what she did when she was a KGB Black Widow, and he's trying to judge himself. So I don't know. It's fifty-fifty. Like it, it makes more sense, like you said, but it doesn't have quite the same traumatic edge. Mm. And like you get this, the shot of like Clint hanging over the edge. Like you think he's the one that's done it, and then she saves him and kills herself at the same time. Yeah, you've got that extra layer to it where you in the actual film don't you so yeah that yeah. to be honest i think yeah i think i prefer the film version this is still yeah. a best deleted scene though definitely great i think no matter which one ended up in the film it would have been great either mm. way so best deleted scene yes best deleted scene i've got another question for you in terms of this looks pretty sick right it's all done it's a, it looks like it was in the film and then got taken out mm-hmm does a deleted scene that looks finished, does that make a big difference for you in your judge of quality of them? I mean, yes and no. Like, you need to think if something else was going to end up in the film, they would have finished the CGI. Mm. But if you're going Where... to be putting deleted scenes on a Blu-ray, you've got so much time before, you know, before that actually... Fin- yeah, but it's also going to yeah. cost a lot of money to just it... put something that not everyone's going to watch. I suppose it depends on how well it does at the box office, because of course, maybe if this scene wasn't finished, Marvel will probably look at this, and Disney would look at it and think, "Yeah, we'll, well, you know, we'll, we'll throw a little bit of that billions worth of profit that we made off this film into the uh, into the CGI of it. Why yeah. not?" But I guess yeah. it depends, doesn't it? I think the bigger question is, are you going to re-release the same film to try and push over a billion dollars and put in crappy CGI, as in the Hulk scene? So this scene is, it's um, Professor Hulk, that's it. So you basically get Professor Hulk doing his thing in the whole Endgame outfit, don't you? I can't really remember this scene exactly, I just remember the bad CGI. What do you think, what do you recall happens in this scene, sorry? I think, wasn't this the one from the end of the film when he's building the new time travel machine for Cap to go back through? Is that the scene that we're talking about? Because I can't really remember this either, but I just remember the CGI being awful. Yeah, I can't remember. I don't think it added too much to it. I don't think it was necessary in the slightest. And I think that's what people were more annoyed about when they said they were re-releasing the film. When they re-released this with deleted scenes, what you don't think you're going to get is just... An extra scene after the credits, do you? You think mm-hmm. you're going to get a whole, like, Lord of the Rings extended version kind of thing? Yeah. You know, where you yeah. get more and more and more stuff throughout it, and yet it's just this one little scene shoved in at the end that it hasn't even got remotely finished CGI in it, and it's No, it's like, like all the oh, previous stuff, yeah. It's awful. It's ab- I'd, You know what? This could have been, like, the sickest thing that, you know, that happens. It could be, like, Professor Hulk's moment. Versus where he gets the gauntlet and stuff. Let's say, yeah. let's say we didn't get that in the film, right? And let's say we got Professor Hulk snap- <laughs> hypotheticals on top yeah. of hypotheticals. So let's say we get him snapping his finger with the Iron Man gauntlet on, and it was this level of production quality on it. I still hate it. It's awful. It really yeah. puts me off, and that's why I ask you about that because to me, it makes a really big difference because it's not a deleted scene. It's not been in there and then been deleted. It's just never been done in the first place. Yeah, it's an alternate scene at that point, isn't it? They filmed two different versions of it. Exactly, exactly right, yeah. yeah. So this is... Which, a lot of these could be considered alternate scenes. Yeah. So is this a, a worst worst? Yeah, that's a worst deleted one. scene. Yeah. 
We're going to speed through a couple more end game ones then. So we've got a expanded version of the conversation with the Ancient One. So when they start the time travel in shenanigans and Hulk goes to visit the Ancient One at the Sanctum Santorum, yes, we get a different version of the conversation. So you know how she like brings Banner's soul out of Hulk and talks to him about the stones and stuff. There's a different version where she leaves him in the Hulk form or I guess an extended version, and um, she explains a bit more about how the stones work and how they're a bit more of sort of like a wish-fulfillment thing as to, like, everyone that's brought back, they're going to return safely, all this sort of stuff. The the way it goes about it, and it explains that the stones react and warp reality in a different way, so you know how we get, like, the splintered timelines and stuff that she so- shows him. So it it means that everyone that dies from the gauntlet sort of ceased to exist rather than they were killed. So mm. from that point in time, they just didn't exist. Oh, right. So it's explaining a bit more about the stones and giving you like a little yeah. bit more context and stuff for like... Yeah, it gives you more context to the snap. Yeah, like why these people are able to come back and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So yeah. it also means that because Thanos and his army died to the snap, there is the potential in the future with the stones, possibly Thanos could come back. Because it would be the same way that everybody was brought back from the first snap. Uh, interesting. Potentially. Interesting. Um, so what do you think about that? I've got a question first, because I've not seen this. Is is it is he Hulk in this? Um, yeah, So, but the only version that we've seen of it, he's just in the mocap suit. They, uh, they didn't do the CGI I was going to say, he's in a mocap it's suit. It's an alternate with, scene. Has he got a Hulk face on a stick above his head? Uh, no, he's on big stilts. So Mark Ruffalo's on stilts, wearing right. like a big suit. I think potentially for the humour factor, it'd get a best. Because it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not a terrible attempt at CGI, it's just we've not done it. And you know what? That's probably better. Like, yeah. I'd, yeah. Plus you get to see a bit of movie magic off of it, right? You get to see him in the mocap suit on yeah. stilts. So, you know. Yeah, I think, and I think in context of bringing more detail to what happened during the snap and everything like that i think it it should be best scene ever or best deleted best deleted scene mark ruffalo on stilts yes next one when they have the final battle against thanos and all his army there is a scene where all the heroes meet up in a trench and they devise the plan basically this scene got chopped and changed around to still being in there this is just an alternate version of the final fight so they all meet up, you get the reunion between Tony and Peter, you get Tony talking to Doctor Strange about which one of the realities the plan worked out, you get the plan to get the minivan and trap the gauntlet inside the quantum realm and stuff like that. So you get all the same moments, just you get them differently in the film, whereas mm. this was they all meet up in a trench and Doctor Strange uses his magic to basically put them in a little protected pocket dimension while they devise a plan. And you've got Bucky and like a sniper lookout, like keeping track of the battlefield and everything like that. It seems like a pretty cool scene, and you do get a bit more character development between the different groups that don't really interact together. Mm. But like I said, most of it gets split out anyway. Interesting. It almost feels like it doesn't add anything to the film as such. It's probably a cooler way of them talking about the plan. But, I mean, the way they talk about the plan in the film, all the actions going on, they're, like, talking to each other, aren't they? Yeah. I'd probably say I'd prefer that over, like, take, having to take out away from that and have the characters actually just have a conversation. Yeah, it's in a pocket yeah. dimension, whatever. But, and it probably looks cool on screen. But, you don't, you know, having all the action going on at the same time and moving it along, I'd say... pacing-wise, yeah. it does... It works better the way it was in the film, like having everyone doing it while the action's going on instead of taking like a hard break in the middle of your climactic action scene. Yeah, I'd say I wouldn't mind it, but between best and worst, I'd probably say worst. I prefer what I got in the film. I'd say worst alternate scene, yeah. And then the final two will lump in together. So after Iron Man has his I am Iron Man moment, which that in itself is an alternate scene. Uh, the, The original one said... I am inevitably repeated the line back to him, but instead they changed it to I am Iron Man. Mm -hmm. So that's a little one. But as he snaps, you see um, Tony appear in the soul dimension or inside the soul stone with a grown-up version of Morgan, his daughter. 
and he has a little conversation with her, like saying that he's not sure that he's done the right thing because he's like she basically tells him that you're not going to survive this. You've killed yourself, but you've given me a life. I've been able to grow up and say how proud I am of you and everything. And he gets a nice little moment where he gets to see his daughter grow up essentially. And then they embrace and she says, I love you, dad. And he says, I love you 3000. So this basically got changed into the hologram message that he gave to them all at the end. Mm. So this was a different version mirroring Thanos's one in infinity war where he saw young Gamora. Yeah. When he got the soul stone. And then after that, we get the deleted scene of everybody around, all the heroes around Tony Stark's body in the battlefield dropping to one knee as a sign of respect for them all. Mm. What do you think about these two scenes? I think it would have been good having that same that same reaction from like so. So if you had that symmetry between that scene where Thanos has that young Gamora moment with the Soul Stone, mm-hmm. right? If you had that and then had this mirror in it, I think it'd be really, really tasteful. I think it'd actually be a really good idea, personally. Uh, Would I have preferred it over the little hologram bit we get at the end of Endgame? I probably would, you know. I probably would. I think people were a bit torn on this, though, weren't they? Because of the acting or whoever the girl was who was playing Morgan. I think there was a little bit of controversy. I, I I don't know. I remember people being a little bit split on it. Um, yeah, so so this version again, the CGI isn't a hundred percent. Like they've clearly just done a quick layer mask around her, so parts of her hair keeps disappearing and stuff like that. Oh, is that what so it was there, about? There was, it wasn't the actress. There was that, as such. and also yeah. a lot of people are torn on the actress after she was the lead role in Thirteen Reasons Why and stuff like uh-huh. that. So people are kind of a bit mm. not her biggest fan. So I think that's what it was. Yeah. No, you know what? Best scene. Best deleted scene. Yeah. I'd give it a What do you think about the Neil, the sign of respect? Because I watched that scene again today and that choked me up. Like, without watching the rest of the film, just that scene chokes me up still. So I'd say best forever for that as well. If I'm being critical, I I get the Neil as a sign of respect, but I probably would have preferred him to have something that was maybe a bit more of a callback to something that maybe happened before or maybe even if it was like something to do with a thing on the chest like maybe if they just put the hand on the chest or something or you know what i mean something that kind of calls back to it because it felt like a neil was just like a little bit i'm hyper over analyzing it right now but uh yeah you know what yeah yeah, I think it works. Scene. Like it brings back like classic imagery of kneeling at a gravesite or something like that, or like lowering a flag or something like that. And mm. the way that it's done as well, like everyone has their own way of doing it. So I can't remember who starts it. I know Black Panther's the second one to do it. But like it's sort of and you see like more of the military ones do sort of like go down to one knee and like mm. sign of respect, but then you've got like Captain America like falls to his knees, like at this point he's battered and he can't believe that Tony's gone. You've got highlight on Doctor Strange where he drops to one knee and you can tell that he knew this was coming. You see the disappointment that he couldn't save him. You mm. knew that this was the one eventuality that all had to happen. Mm. So there are nice little character bits in there as well. So I, yeah. I still like that one. Yeah, so give, you it saying, give it a best. Yeah. yeah, give them both a best. All right, and that's end game done with. We've got a few more MCU ones which we think are pretty cool. Yeah. If you want to go into it. Iron Man, Nick Fury at the end of credits... Yes. So at the end of the is Iron Man a, 1... Sorry, Chris, is this a deleted scene? Or is this the credit end credit scene? It's, a, it's an alternate end credit. Oh, uh, okay. So at the end of Iron Man 1, Nick Fury appears, played by Samuel Jackson. This was the first time that we had seen like one of these post-credits. And in the theatrical cut, he mentions the Avengers initiative. And this is what kicks off the Avengers. Whereas in the alternate scene, which got released on Disney+, Plus when that launched we find out that he had a longer speech where he's talking about people getting bit by radioactive spiders and he he actually mentions mutants as well oh okay so stuff he, set, like that. he sets up more marvel stuff yeah he that. does so we only found this out when disney plus launched but the fact that that could have been in the first iron man film and kickstarted everything but obviously they didn't have the rights to him back then so it was a bit edgy, so that's why it didn't get released. But now that they've got the rights to do all that, they've released that final scene. So is that actually what is in the Disney Plus version of it, rather than... No, that's in the Disney Plus bonus features for Oh, it. okay, I get you. Yeah, you know what, yeah, if you'd be allowed to have it in now, then yeah, absolutely, best scene, yeah. defo. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you want to talk about the next one? Yeah, the Thor sword scene. So basically, there's a bit in the Thor films where, at the end of it, they set up the whole intergalactic, the sword and shield stuff that's all dropped in. Sword is like the how in Captain Marvel you've got scrolls and stuff. It's all setting that up basically. I think it's good. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, sword is the intergalactic version of shield essentially, um, and they were going to name drop it. Why not well, get people excited? Absolutely. But the scene that they ended up replacing it with was Jane Foster and a mate setting up a beacon so that Thor could return to Earth, like a, a connection for the Bifrost. I reckon if they had both in there, maybe. They still do that anyway in this, don't they? They're still doing that because it pans up to the top of the building where he's yeah. working. So, yeah, it, it was literally, it's so subtle, but it'd be one of those things in a... In, in when you're watching the movie where like me and Chris would turn to each other and maybe be like, ooh, what's it setting up? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, but the thing is then, if they name-dropped that, then when you had the Avengers like two years later, you'd be like, why weren't S.W.O.R.D. aware of any of this or what are they doing at this point? Mm-hmm. Because they're meant to be dealing with intergalactic threats, so it kind of wouldn't have made sense for the rest of the films. They would have had to change all the rest of the films, wouldn't they? Best or worst. I'm going to say worse just because it doesn't make that much sense having it there. I think having the later introduction of it with Nick Fury made more sense. Yeah, what's the next one? Next one is the Hulk suicide, well, attempted suicide scene from The Incredible Hulk. I didn't know this happened in this film. I didn't know it was even a thing. Okay, so this was back when Edward Norton was playing the Hulk and towards the end of the film... The final shot of the film we get is him meditating, like coming to terms with the Hulk, and like that's how he then gets control to turn in and out of the Hulk whenever he wants. Whereas in the original version, he was so pessimistic about it, and he goes to, I think it's the edge of Alaska or Antarctica. He's on like an icy cliff, and he basically pulls out a gun and he like loads the gun, and then you see his eyes turn into the Hulk, and then you just see his, his hands or the Hulk, and he crushes the gun. Mm. So this got taken out because obviously it's too dark for a kid-friendly audience, which they were going for with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But in the Avengers, we do get a reference to this when Mark Ruffalo's version of Bruce Banner um, is still dealing with the Hulk. He doesn't want to unleash it in New York. And he says like he once tried to kill himself. He put a gun in his mouth and the big guy spat the bullet out. Mm. So it's mm. still referenced, but it's not clearly as dark as it was back in The Incredible Hulk when they're going for a kid-friendly audience. Mm, worst. We didn't need it. It's a bit dark. It's not yeah. very not very MCU I at think, all. I think if it was a completely different franchise or something, like if they were steering a bit older, I think it's a, a great character moment. But the way that the film ended and led to the character progression, I guess, if they had had maybe both scenes, like he, he tried to do it and then clearly he figured out that it wasn't going to happen and he had to come to terms with it. Maybe that would have been better. Mm, maybe. I think it's a, a really cool concept to do with the character, but it doesn't work in context of the MCU. Yeah. What would you give it? Sorry? Worst. Um, worst ever because kids don't want to see the favourite heroes trying to kill themselves. <laughs> good, yeah. good, good analysis. Uh, yeah. The next one is from the Winter Soldier, and it's the bit where Captain America's suit changes during this film, where he goes back from his new suit to his, his older suit, right? Basically, it's because they have a tracking device on it, and it's just a really quick scene to just establish he got rid of that suit and left it somewhere where they found it and it yeah. wasn't there. They have a tracking device in the suit, and it's implied that it's in the star in the middle of his chest. Right, okay. So what I thought from then on... See, like, it didn't need to be in the film at all. It just didn't need to be in there. It didn't add anything, really. It just added to the runtime. Get rid of it. Yeah, cool. But for what it means when you tie it into other MCU films, it kind of makes a bit more sense. And I had to piece this together myself because I haven't seen other people really saying this. So he knows there's a tracking device inside of his suit and stuff. Yeah. At the end of Civil War, when he goes and becomes Nomad, or like he just leaves S.H.I.E.L.D. completely, and he forms like the Secret Avengers type group with Black Widow and stuff, yeah. he rips the star off the chest of his thing. Do you uh... think that's so that Tony can't track him and he doesn't know where he is when he goes off the grid? He's removed the star in Infinity War, hasn't he? 
Yeah, maybe. Do you reckon that's uh, him getting rid of the tracker that could potentially be in the suit? Maybe, maybe. It'd be... it might be something that people think of if if this scene was actually in the movie because not everyone goes yeah. back and watches deleted scenes anyway. Exactly, like but, it's just like a little mm, a little thing, like because they like little continuity beats like that. I think like, it's more of a like I think people's. Yeah, I think personally, it's more of a symbol symbolism, probably more symbolism yeah. than anything. Yeah, well, that's what it becomes. Whereas yeah. if this scene was left in, people probably would have thought more like it's a tracking mm. device. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna do the one last MCU one just because I think this one actually works better in the context of the Avengers. So in the Avengers, okay. Cap earlier on goes to a cafe and he's served by a nice waitress and he's having an extended conversation with her. This actress is played by none other than Ashley Johnson from Critical Role. She's also been on Blind Spot and loads of other TV shows and stuff. But it's great to see her in such a big action blockbuster as well. But it adds up a bit more of a relationship between those two characters. They have a bit of a connection and stuff. And you see like it's somebody who doesn't treat Cap weird like a complete man out of time. And she is the waitress that he later saves on during the Battle of New York. So it adds mm-hmm. a bit of continuity between the films. So I'd say best for that one. Uh, I've not seen it, so I'll trust your judgment with best. <laughs> okay, right, carry on. Let's plow through this list. Okay, so I'm going to... Mo- some that we want to talk about. Yeah, I think the main ones we want to talk about, we're going to move on to a couple of the Star Wars ones. So we've got a couple from the original trilogy and a couple from the new trilogy. So in terms of the original trilogy, the first one, uh, this is a bit of a long scene, but it doesn't need long to talk about it, is the bit in Return of the Jedi where Yoda reveals to Luke that he told Obi-Wan to not tell Luke that Darth Vader was his father. That's a long sentence. Is this sentence. not from The Empire Strikes Back? Is... Sorry, yeah, Empire Strikes Back, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's where he goes where he goes back and Yoda's dying. You know what Dago I mean? Bar. Dago Bar. Have you seen this? Yeah, I have, yeah. I know it, you can hear... It's really interesting because you can hear production sounds while it's on. So you can hear people mm-hmm. like directing the puppet directors and stuff for Yoda. So that kind of bit's cool. But obviously, that wouldn't be in the film. Yeah, it's cool. I think the voice, Yoda's voice sounds odd. It sounds really weird. Yeah, it doesn't so sound right. they used the set sound. So obviously, all of Yoda's dialogue lines were recorded after the fact they were ADR'd in. Yeah. So the version that we get in this is the on-set, so it's not the final Yoda voice. Yeah, it doesn't sound like as extreme, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's um, still Frank Oz, but also it yeah. adds sort of like a a more... I don't know, like, it doesn't paint Yoda in as good of a light. No. Do you know what I mean? Like, hiding information, like, intentionally hiding information from him. I think it's one of them where it's kind of clear that the you know that everyone agreed to hide that from him. And I think if yeah. this was in the film, it would have just been totally like it's just not needed. It's not needed. Yeah. Um. Although it's cool. Also, Mark Hamill looks like he's about to burst out laughing in one bit of this, which is just <laughs> totally. A... I mean, if you were having to deal with a little green puppet going like, Rawr! yeah, <laughs> you would probably be laughing a lot as well. Yeah, uh, I'd say best film, but worst scene. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. The next one is from A New Hope, and it's the original Jabba the Hutt. So. What scene's this? Describe it to me. I probably remember. So Jabba the Hutt, as you know him right now, big slug guy, oh, whatever, and um, was never actually like that. He was actually just yeah. a normal person who was like Attila the Hutt style clothing on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's just like, yeah, I remember now. Yeah, he's just some crime lord guy. That's why in like all the really dodgy CGI, you see like Han like levitate up and go down because that's him going over Jabba's tail or whatever. And yeah. basically, that that scene was filmed with a real person in an actual costume rather than a CGI slug. Uh, worst scene ever. There's a lot of stuff because of the times, and there's a lot of stuff that was taken out of Star Wars for a very good reason. And yeah. that is something that was taken out. The the way they tried to amend it was probably not the best. But they oh, got no, it. like yeah. like it's a real janky like motion track like Han Solo like up down. Yeah, it's yeah, not even yeah. like a natural step sort of progression. It's just literally just like somebody's just dragged it up on a right angle. Like yeah, punk, it's punk. like it's like someone's just got into Premiere and like keyframed it in like six keyframes, yeah. and then they're like, yeah, all right, <laughs> yeah. Instead of twenty four keyframes, it's yeah. just two keyframes. So, down. yeah, worst scene. I liked what worst we got. Scene. I'm glad yeah. Jabba's a big ugly slug. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, defo. Uh, and then moving on to the newer... The sequels. Sequel trilogy. 
we've got some from The Force Awakens. So we'll touch on the bit where Kylo walks around the Falcon uh, and he's it's the first time he's been in the Millennium Falcon in ages and there's just like a little bit of a moment where he's like, he's obviously having like a little bit of nostalgia and stuff. Uh, I liked it. I think it should have been in there. Yeah. I think more stuff with Kylo Ren that relates back to his past before he was Kylo and he was Ben Solo, mm-hmm. I think is a is a good addition. So I'd say best. It yeah. would have added like you could sense him sort of like feeling the presence of his father which then meant him killing his father had a bit more weight at the end of it yeah would you say best or worst i would say best for that one awesome next one from force awakens was unkar plot appears at maz's castle i didn't know this was even a yeah so he's looking for ray isn't he yeah, because um, he's after they stole the Millennium Falcon. It's and... like that's mine, and that's the last thing you ever <laughs> see of Uncar Plot. But then yeah. he turns up and he's like, "You've got my ship or whatever." You know what? He was fine, but I didn't need to see any more of him no, than what we I got in the film. I love Simon Pegg, but we didn't need that Uncar Plot scene, so I'm glad it wasn't in there. Worst scene. Worst scene. Worst, Worst scene. scene. And then the last one from the Force Awakens is one that I've got a very strong opinion of there's a snow speeder chase from Starkiller base and oh look you're lucasfilm <laughs> you're disney why couldn't you just finish the cgi on it why <laughs> you could do it now with endgame why can't you just do it it would have been that awesome if it was they finished clearly CGI. just got rid of it so early on that they didn't bother to do the cgi for it would but, you have liked to have this chase in the film yes because okay. it, it establishes how Ray and Finn get from where they are to that building. It's a long, long way. And there's a lot of moments in Star Wars and stuff where you just take things for granted. It's like how in Star Wars you don't have writing on stuff. Everything yeah. is everything is pictures and symbolic. And you just yeah. look at this and you're like, yes, I know. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> there's no, that's just how it is. That That's the fan theory that everyone in the Star Wars universe is illiterate and can't read. Well, that's it. That's it. But, <laughs> you, you, you know, you look at it in the same way where people just travel from one thing to another. You say, yeah, they get there, don't they? And yeah. it's like, oh, it's just... But it's, it's like in A New Hope, like you see every moment of them getting around the Death Star and it gives context to the Death Star and it gives you more understanding of the action about the timing and everybody trying to get from location to location, whereas this one, you're sort of like, how did they walk across a barren snow wasteland, get to this building, and also manage to... Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. But in the actual film, you see the speeder. You just don't see him get the speeder, or you don't see him being chased in the speeder. And my argument for this is, if you can put it in the Rise of Skywalker with those bikes in the sand going through all like the, the canyons and stuff, why not put it in there? Yeah, for the sake of three minutes, and it's also an extra action set piece, which would have made it a bit more different from A New Hope. Yeah, for sure. For like, sure. it would have added a bit more depth to it. Well, I think you'd probably compare it to, not A New Hope, but you'd probably compare it to the speeders going through Kashi- uh, Endor. I was about to say Kashi- Yeah, but I, I meant a lot of people compared yeah, yeah, yeah. the end of The Force Awakens to the end of A New mm. Hope. Scoring-wise... Yeah. Worst visual scene by far. <laughs> However, best because I would have wanted to see it in the film. Yeah, it it's yeah. best. Like you need to think if you're saying it's best and it should have stayed in the film, then they would have finished the CGI on it. Hundred percent. And then in terms of The Last Jedi, there are a few from The Last Jedi, but the main key one that came out was Finn versus Phasma. He whacks her with that stun baton in the face and that's it, she's she's out, right? Yeah, that's what we see of it, and we assume that he's took her out. They have a bit more of that fight, and then she plummets into the fire, doesn't she? Essentially, yeah, you actually see the death of her. We assume. Well, we did. We 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 assumed because she wasn't in the rise. The 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 rise. Of she Skywalker. fell into the firing inferno of the juggernaut, and then yeah. the juggernaut got exploded by Holder. She calls him scum, and then he goes rebel scum, and he says it exactly like that. <clears throat> so you know what? Worst scene. <laughs> worst scene because of that purely because of that line worst scene and also the little bit where if you watch this deleted scene there's like blaster shots that she does which is just like a youtuber edit of someone shooting blasters in star wars <laughs> yeah it's like a youtube b-roll moment you know what i mean where there's like fast cuts and stuff it's like that 
I think having an extended fight scene would have been better and having a bit more dialogue between them would have been a bit better. Mm-hmm. The Rebel Scum line works if it's delivered properly. Like, it's it's not delivered that well, so... No. It's right down the middle. It would have been cool if it was done properly. So, worst. Worst. Right. Absolutely worst. Right, next up on the list is... Joker. Gonna... Okay, so this is Joker as in Joker with Joaquin Phoenix, right? Yes. Yeah. So... Okay. Right, you tell I, me about I only this. found this out today. This apparently came out about a month ago, but I only just found this out. So apparently the original ending, because it was meant to be a standalone film and everything like that, so you know at the end when he's laughing to his psychiatrist in Arkham Asylum and yep. he's envisioning the merger of the Waynes. Okay, yeah, yeah. The original version was meant to be... So this hasn't even been filmed, I don't think. Or maybe it was filmed and it was just cut out completely and it's not available anywhere, but we know that it exists. Oh, well, this is what's been said that this was is, meant to have happened. This is bordering on eligibility for this episode right now. It is, but it's been reported by everyone that this was how it was meant to be. I think they might have filmed it and they've just not released it because it is dark. So the version that he's thinking of in his head, we don't know whether it happens or not, and he's just flashing back to it because it's all that unreliable narrator thing. We don't know if he's just imagining the entire film or whatever. He was the one that shot the Waynes in the street, and he pulled the pearls off. Like, it happened the exact same way, only it was Joker that did it in the street. And then he walks away just as, like, Bruce starts, like, wailing, crying. Like, he's just there, like, holding his parents' bodies, like, covered in blood type thing. And he walks away. He hears the cries. He shrugs, laughs. But then apparently he turned around and shot Bruce Wayne as well. (sighs) Cutting off, like, Batman doesn't exist in this universe. Whoa! This is the Joker's story. That is it. So they were going to kill off a young kid. (laughs) That would have been a bit... Whoa. This film was already too much. It yeah. was like, yeah, you couldn't have put that... Yeah, oh, my word. <laughs> people were already worrying about people in the cinema and yeah. all sorts of stuff. And then if you put this in there... Oof. I think for heaviness... Mm, yeah, I think it's an interesting idea. It's an interesting idea, but I think the way that they did it, sort of setting up that Batman would have happened and then... The Joker at the end seems to be trying to escape Arkham Asylum. So mm. it seems like in that version, he would have escaped Arkham Asylum and became the Joker that we knew. Mm. Whereas if it was the version that we just found out about, that's just sort of cutting it off flat and then the Joker is the Joker and there's no one to oppose him type thing. Yeah. You know what? Have him kill the parents, but not Bruce. Yeah. That would have so been. So make him the one that kills them, not the the guy that we see the random guy in the clown mask okay and you just play on the fact that bruce never finds out and as the viewer you know it happens but story-wise and plot-wise bruce never finds that out and i think that makes the whole batman joker relationship very interesting at that point the joker had been all over the news and everything like that he would have known who arthur fleck was at that point so he would have known because he's there for the murder of his parents. Yeah, but if they thought he was one of the Joker thugs at the end. Yeah, maybe you know if he mean? put the mask back yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if he thought he was one of the thugs at the end, but it was him. He just yeah. blends in with everyone and it happens but, or whatever. Oh, how yeah. dark was that going to be? A best, yeah, a best scene, but not quite that brutal. Yeah, I wouldn't want it. Like, I like the way that the film ended. It was intriguing it was thought-provoking and it sort of still set up the joker batman that we know whereas this version would have just axed it straight off yeah cool awesome so next up sticking with dc-esque stuff i've actually put on here the batman v superman ultimate edition because this is a very long film and it was also a very controversial film at the beginning as well people were very very mixed on this because of the whole divisive yeah very (laughs) divisive but this version is about three hours long but it has so much extra stuff in there that when people had watched the ultimate version of batman versus superman there was a lot of stuff that people were like yeah it should have been in there but you can't release a film that's three hours long i mean endgame did it 
I know, but you can't do it if it's Batman versus Superman, can no. you? The problem was the stuff that was taken out of Batman versus Superman made the story make a hell of a lot less sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the stuff that they added back in added context to a lot of things that people needed context for in the cinema. Should it have maybe been three hours? Maybe not, but maybe should they have cut other things? Probably. Mm. Like maybe a bit less weird Lex Luthor. Yeah. Maybe, although there was a deleted scene that wasn't even in that version as well, I don't think, where he's messing with the mother box and he interacts with Steppenwolf as well. I mean, when you look at a deleted scene, the thing you have to think about is a deleted scene can just be a waste of time, right? Yeah. A deleted scene might not add anything to a film. A lot of them will add stuff. A lot of them will add extra story plots, yeah. But will it make it better? And I think there's a bit of a difference there. So does the ultimate edition of this film, which has all those extra bits that have been cut out, make it better? I'd say yeah. Yeah. Really. Yes, yeah. it does. We came out of the cinema. We enjoyed it, but we were mixed. We were like, it was good, but it could have been a hell of a lot better and there were things confusing about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we had seen the Ultimate Edition in cinemas, I think we would have left liking it more. Yeah, and I think there were bits that they could cut out to make those plot points from exactly. the Ultimate Edition better. Like, take out the math a bit, obviously. Everyone would be happy about that. <laughs> yeah, just mm. alternate that scene. That should be a different video, scenes that should have been alternate scenes. <laughs> yeah, swap them around. <laughs> what would you replace that scene with out of the deleted scene pool? Yeah, I agree. I'd say worst. No, yeah. no, no, best. No, best. This is best. best. The film was worst, but the... <laughs> the the uh, ultimate edition was best. The theatrical was worst. Exactly what yes. I meant to say. Okay, um, so a little bit more DC. At the end of Wonder Woman, we were meant to get a nod towards the mother boxes. So at the end of the film, Etta Candy was meant to give a mission to Wonder Woman, Diana, and her team that she made throughout the film. She was meant to give them a mission to go recover what we now know to be a mother box. I believe it was meant to be the ones that the humans had and buried, because obviously she didn't know about Themyscira, so she wouldn't have been hunting for the one that the Amazons had. It would have been a cool thing that tied them all together. It would have been a bit more like the MCU, but did we really need it? I don't think so, because I think the way that the film ended on the the somber yet uplifting note that it did of her losing Steve, but obviously the world was saved, and she's coming to terms with it, and she's coming to terms with that's how she became the Wonder Woman that we know and love. He taught her so much, and the fact that they didn't really get much time together, but the time that they had together was cherished. I think that was a better ending rather than then tacking on the mother boxes in there as well. Yeah, I agree. So what would you give it, a best or a worst? I would give it worst because it just didn't need to be in there. So it was probably good that it was deleted from the theatrical cut. Wow, that's a lot coming from you because you have a special place in your heart for the Wonder Woman films. I love Wonder Woman. (laughs) Film, comic books, a lot of it. But that just didn't need to be in there. I think the ending that we got was the right ending. So the next one you put on here, Chris, is... All of Justice League. Now, <laughs> now I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you there. <laughs> I'm gonna stop you there with Justice League. This is its own episode's worth of stuff right now. Yeah. There is so much that's come out about Justice League that we could probably do an episode on what Justice League could have been. Yeah, right? the, the Snyder Cut, yeah. So I'm gonna exempt this from this episode. Yes. yes. There's a lot of stuff that was deleted from Justice League. It's basically... Like most of the film. It's basically a different film. It is. It's Duel of the Fates. It's Duel of the Fates. And we have been talking about deleted scenes for a bit now. So I'm conscious that we're not going to do this now. However, it is a teaser of future episode, potentially, when yes. we are stuck for stuff in lockdown. Because It, it uh, was more, it was more like, we need to preface this if we're talking about DC deleted scenes. It's yeah. going to be a funny joke. And yeah, then, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and right. it, it was funny. Very good. Well done. Good, Thank good you. shout. Yeah, I, Thank I you. admire that. I'll blast off this next one then. Okay, Because this ahead. is something I'm very passionate about. Blade Runner. The original Blade Runner. So, obviously, as most people know, there's multiple different cuts of Blade Runner. And each one seems to lead to a different outcome of whether people believe Deckard is a replicant or not. You've got the original theatrical cut, which has like a Detective Noir voiceover on, which is hard to find nowadays, to be fair. You've got the director's cut, which doesn't have that. That was more of straightforward film. And then you've got the ultimate cut as well, which has a few extra deleted scenes in. This is one of them. 
So Deckard's sort of like partner is throughout the film he makes paper animals and stuff like that origami we see one of these in blade runner 2049 when he makes a sheep i believe for agent k but in this one he makes a paper unicorn and leaves it on deckard's front door when he leaves so obviously the question throughout the film is is deckard replicant or not and there's hints towards him being one and i think because he's having dreams of like a unicorn running through a forest and everything people that are working in the industry of identifying replicants and stuff like that tend to know the implanted memories that all the replicants seem to have or when they start to fail the visions that they see and stuff and the fact that gaff leaves a paper unicorn on his doorstep without deckard ever saying a word to him seems to imply that he knows that deckard is a replicant which is really interesting to me because then that's that's sort of like giving us almost a definitive answer for it what do you think do you think deckard's a replicant or do you think he's human so, when we get Deckard in 2049, yeah, he's not a replicant. It's implied in 2049 that he's human because the child that he has is half replicant, half human, is what it's said. No, he's human. Defo. I think Blade Runner, as a standalone film, I would much rather have this scene in because it leads to... I left watching Blade Runner, because I've seen this film loads of times, especially before 49 came out, thinking that Deckard was a replicant. And that's what Ridley Scott had said and stuff like that as well, like saying he was a replicant. Mm. Whereas then when they made 2049, they basically retconned that and they were like, no, like this isn't the thing, this is the story that we're going with, that he was human. In the context of the two films, or three films because there's an animated film as well, if you didn't know, go watch that, it's great. In the grand scheme of things, worse because it doesn't make sense with this, the second film, which is incredible, but best because it works for me and in context of the original Blade Runner. If that was the version that came out in 1928, eh, 1982, not 28, opposite way around, 1982, if that version of Blade Runner came out, then it would have been spot on. So are you saying worse to them for this? No, you know what? I'd say best because it leaves it a little bit on the fence a bit doesn't it i think if we yeah. weren't going to get 2049 i'd say worst no i'd say best if we weren't getting 2049 yeah yeah i'd say worst because we got 2049 and it just doesn't make sense it's just more yeah. of like a character suspicion it's just world building isn't it so mm-hmm. yeah moving on from blade runner the last few deleted scenes what we're talking about is the ones from lord of the rings we have four deleted scenes that made it to the extended versions of the film and if you have committed nine hours to this series then (laughs) good on you if you've ever watched all the director's cuts in one sitting i'm with you there we did good (laughs) we made it it was a struggle but we made it it's It's certainly certainly a test of perseverance so yeah the first one from the two towers is uh saruman uh dying so, uh, to give you a bit of context, if you've not seen this for a while, Chris, more so yourself, if you've not watched it in a bit. I, I've not watched these for a while. Some of these deleted scenes, I know some of them I don't. So, it's the bit at the beginning where they get to Isengard. Uh, they take the hobbits to Isengard. The good guys, not the bad guys. <laughs> They're taking the hobbits, indeed. They're taking them. <laughs> taking them to taking them to Isengard. Isengard. Is that They're taking the taking? hobbits to Isengard. The <laughs> <laughs> They're taking the Hobbit Swires and go. <laughs> okay, so yeah, they get there, and I think what we see in the actual film, the not the, the theatrical version of it, is that they they just go. You don't see Saruman. He they just get the Palantir, which is like the black orb, out of mm-hmm. the water, and then that's it. Really, what we get in this version, we get Saruman appear with Wormtongue, who was the uh, guy. In the two towers, who? Oh no, hang on! I'm. I think I'm getting this wrong. I don't think this is the two towers. I think this is Return of the King. I'm thinking that because at the end of yeah, the two towers, yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. It's he all still Ret- has Gandalf yeah, prisoner, doesn't yeah. he? It's yeah. all Return of the King, not the two towers. Uh, <laughs> I know I'm a Lord of the Rings. That's why I'm questioning it now. Yeah. So basically, they get there. You get, um, and then Saruman's at the top of the building with Wormtongue, uh, top yeah. of the tower. Uh, they have this exchange where Gandalf is trying to get him to become an informant. Basically, Wormtongue goes up behind him, stabs him in the back, and then he falls off, impales himself, and then he drops the Palantir out of his sleeve. So there's a couple of questions here about this scene, because it is quite a big scene. Even unless you watch this, you don't know what happens with Saruman, because he's trapped in that tower. 
So if you in from the theatrical version of this film, he's trapped up there. And you don't know what happens to him. Now, interesting fact, Chris. Christopher Lee didn't go to the premiere of this film because this was cut out. Oh. Because he wanted to keep it in. It was the death of his character. You know what I mean? Yeah. The it wasn't in the film and he was that annoyed or that miffed off about it that he didn't go to the premiere because of it. Wow. It's mad, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I did not know that. And this is a film that came out years ago and we and like I didn't know that. Rip in peace Christopher Lee as well. One of the greats. Yeah, absolutely. Why wouldn't Peter Jackson put this in? Why wouldn't he put it in? It was definitely it was definitely needed. Yeah, it gave so much more context, yeah. So the first question is how the hell does he keep that black magic ball up his sleeve? He's a wizard. Why are you asking questions? He's a wizard. Just magic. The answer is just magic. Good answer. <laughs> Uh, my second question His sleeve's is... like the TARDIS. <laughs> well, like a bag of holding from D&D. You put it in, it's a pocket dimension. My second thing is, if you remember this film, he lands on a wheel and then the wheel turns, right? Yeah. What would have been a bit more brutal, but maybe a bit cooler, would be rather than that... Like, what if he landed on one of the spikes of the tower? I think that probably would have been more brutal. It would have like been more if brutal. He, if he landed on, on the tower. It may have been even a little bit more symbolic... If you get what I mean. Possibly, yeah. 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 Like, turning to fight with Sauron was his ultimate downfall. Because mm-hmm. there's all like, these, like, mad spikes up the tower that he falls yeah, down yeah. that he just misses. Yeah. As he's, and, but yeah, yeah. So, I, I think this gets a best because it should have been in the film. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I give it best. My next one from Return of the King, which I didn't know was a thing. In fact, we'll come back to that one because we'll do it kind of in order. Chronological, yeah. Yeah, so there's the bit where Aragorn recruits the pirates after he gets the army of the dead. Yeah. Uh, you don't see that in the actual theatrical version of the film. Uh, you just see him turn up uh, with with the pirates. Uh, oh, sorry, yeah. they turn up on the boats, don't they? And then all the army of the dead come off at the end, um, Pelennor Fields, that bit. Yeah. It explains where they got the boats from and how they got on them and why they were there instead of the reinforcements. I think the reason I put this in there is because I think it needed to be in to give you that little bit more context. Plus, you get a bit more Army of the Dead, which is always yeah. cool. Yeah. I didn't really question it too much when I was watching the theatrical cuts, like where they got the boats from or anything. like Because just, just armies coming left, right and centre, like bigger armies than you thought and stuff like that. I didn't question it too much. It does make sense having it, and I'm all for like the long-ass versions of Lord of the Rings, so yeah, best. There's two different takes of it. It's the you either see them board the ships and you're like, yeah, they're on the way, or you don't see them board the ships and then when the reinforcements arrive, it's a reveal. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. You I'm also different... wondering why the Army of the Dead needed ships anyway. Well, they they <laughs> they they didn't, but the other three they didn't. Alive oh, yeah, people yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, they could yeah. have just done with like a little rowboat then, couldn't they? I mean, they could have done, but also... But imagine also... then just, like, an army of dead people emerging from, like, a rowboat. <laughs> yeah, like, true. Yeah. And also, they took out all the reinforcements, so yeah. it kind of yeah. makes sense. Also, that is one of the coolest reveals I remember from... Like, like that was their endgame moment, wasn't it? Yeah, that's When, totally like, deep. Aragorn charges off and then, like, the fucking army of the dead's like, oh, fucking hell. We're going to get on to the endgame moment. Uh, we're, very, we're nearly there. Next one is the mouth of Sauron. So this is the guy um, that you may have seen if you've seen uh, photos or something, who is the guy with the... It's like a... It's a really big helmet that covers his eyes, and it's almost yeah. a bit like a, an upside-down pyramid kind of thing. Yeah, it looks it? it looks almost like Sauron's crown helmet, only not as spiky. It's a bit more cut off, isn't it? And it, like you said, yeah, it covers most of his face. It's just the mouth that you can yeah. see. And he confronts them at the end at the Black Gate before the army and stuff comes out and surrounds him. Yeah. But what happens here is there's a bit of an exchange that he says that he's killed Frodo. By the way, he's got like crazy teeth. Um, Gnarled teeth. And the mouth of Sauron is just generally a really cool character. And Aragorn like decapitates him, like takes his head off straight away. I think it should have been in there because it's cool as hell. (laughs) And also like... That was taken out, and then I started playing the games and stuff when I was younger. And yes. then they put in the mouth of Sauron in the games, and I was like, "What the hell's the fucking mouth of Sauron?" Exactly. <laughs> they put the mouth of Sauron in the game, and but you had no idea who it was unless you 
at this yeah. point it would have been deleted scenes or it's shown as like a yeah so this this yeah. was just before i read the books as well so like I, I didn't know and i hadn't seen any deleted scenes or anything like i had just seen a theatrical cut then like i start playing different games and you got like the left hand of sauron the right hand of sauron the mouth of sauron i'm like is this like Exodia or something? Like, what the hell's going on here? How Sauron managed to split himself into loads of different pieces? Also, yeah. who the hell's the mouth of Sauron, and why is he just a mouth? Because he's like, got a creepy in a suit mouth. of armor. He's got a creepy, creepy <laughs> like, mouth. It, it would it would have made a lot more sense for me if this was in the film, and I would have been like, oh, that's the mouth of Sauron. He's like the the way that Sauron communicates with his enemies at the gates. Mm. Okay, I get that now. And the thing is, whoever's doing that performance of that character is doing an amazing job. Yeah. It's all practical, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's yeah. Wicked. Well, most of the Lord of the Rings franchise was practical, which is why the Hobbits look so awful in comparison. Mm. Which moves us on to the final bit of Lord of the Rings deleted scenes. That is technically yes. a very much deleted scene because this is not in the extended versions. Do you want to take this away? Yes. So, like we said at the final epic climactic battle at the Black Gates when they're entering into Mordor. Aragorn was supposed to fight Sauron himself. He was meant to have like this epic showdown that was meant to be like a blinding white light that, that would blind everyone, but Aragorn's able to see through it, and he's able to see Sauron. And then, as the fight starts, he's fighting Sauron. Now, they CGI'd in, I believe, a... It was a troll chieftain. A troll, yeah, yeah, troll chieftain. They CGI'd, they CGI'd that in and obviously took out the dialogue and stuff, because Peter Jackson, when he was doing the scripts for these, thought it would bring a nice round conclusion to his character arc. We have, obviously, his storyline of him becoming now the Chosen King and everything like that, and him taking down, essentially, the Witch King, the the evil version of like his binary opposite. can't remember a fancy word for binary opposite, essentially. His dyad in a force, you could say. He was meant to like take him out and it'd bring conclusion to his story. He's wiped out evil from the world, and he takes his rightful place on the throne. But obviously, like it kind of took away from then the impact of Sam and Frodo destroying the ring, defeating evil that way. And am I getting the right one? Is it Eowyn that kills the Witch King? I am no man. Yes. Is it Eowyn? Yes. Yes. Correct. Uh, I, I'm starting to get confused because yeah, I've not seen yeah, these yeah. films or read the books in years. Yeah. So Eowyn has the I am no man moment. So they ultimately cut this, they shot it completely. But they cut it because they realised it sort of was a detriment to other characters' character arcs. Like, he still got his moment of essentially coming from nothing, being the ranger, building up, and then becoming the rightful king, and helping everyone along their journey, and his romance and stuff like that. So, they thought it wasn't necessary, it hurt more things than it could accomplished. So they took it out. Reflecting on this, when you see the light and stuff and you see aragorn's reaction to a lot it's you can tell that there's that that was meant to be in there and when you see this deleted scene there is a practical guy in that armor who is yeah. there so it's, it's very very interesting that they took it out um probably very much like if you went and watched this back you might see some of the movements and stuff are the same that's cool yeah. but uh yeah that's yeah i, I so, think i think it was really interesting that they got so far with it and like like, that's not in the book mm. at all. Peter Jackson essentially created that to try and finish off that storyline. But then they changed it. Yeah, so out of all these Lord of the Rings one, I think that's the only one that I would say worth seeing. Yeah. Does, I don't think it makes sense. No, it uh, doesn't, because like yeah. we said, it detriments too many other things. It would have been a cool action scene, seeing him face off against someone arguably as skilled as him and like such a binary opposite to his character arc. Mm-hmm. But... It just didn't make sense. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's cool that you can watch it now, though. Yeah, defo. Defo, it's crazy that you can go and watch it now. But yeah, considering half the film and half deleted scenes, well, all the deleted scenes are on the extended versions, and there's still stuff you haven't seen, which is cool. Yes. What we say is there's loads of different deleted scenes and alternate scenes out there. That Some of them do add a lot to the films. Some of them were badly timed things, like things have had to be reshot or deleted from films to because of the world around us like we've just seen the winter soldier and stuff having to cut stuff or reshoot stuff because of coronavirus and stuff like events like that have affected films loads in the past and stuff or 
there's so much stuff out there. Just go look for it yourself. Like, if you're interested in a film, go try and find some deleted scenes from that film because they'll be interesting, whether you think it's better than the final version or not. It's still mm-hmm. interesting. We've just taken some of our big ones. Um, yeah. We have missed a lot, but we might do a part two in the future. We wanted to try and key it towards our audience as well. Like, our yeah. nerdy videos seem to do the better ones. So there yeah. you go. you got Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and Marvel. DC, yeah. Yeah. Did well Keywords, SEO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might do another one of these when there's more films out and Possibly. there's more deleted scenes to talk about. Yeah. And maybe and maybe we do some that are less nerdy as well, like more generic stuff. Yeah. And because of lockdown at the minute, there's probably a lot of films that we should have reviewed by now, but we're just we're just trying to keep consistent. We're trying to make sure we're still doing episodes and we're just thinking of ideas that we yes thought of this one last night after having a couple and, of beers didn't we so yeah and like we're saying like we are struggling for podcast episodes at the moment because there's nothing new coming out like it's difficult to try and like find time to do lots of stuff while obviously people are still working from home doing lots of other things caring for ourselves as well making sure that everybody stays safe but if you do have an idea for us you can let us know on the socials so it's twitter get real pod instagram get real pod Facebook, Get Real Podcast. Our email address is getrealpoduk at gmail.com. So let us know on there what you want us to cover in future episodes. We'll be sure to take them into consideration while we're running low on ideas at the moment. Sam, where can you listen to the podcast? Share it with some of your friends. Uh, If you have friends that listen to podcasts on Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, we're available across all of that. Uh, We're even available on YouTube now, so there's not really any excuse to not be able to listen to us if you don't have any of those apps. YouTube's everywhere. So yeah, check us out on there. We have got ideas for video content eventually that we will work on. It just takes us time to get there. We need the space and stuff for it, which hopefully we'll have in the future. But yeah, that's everywhere check us out make sure you leave us a rating a thumbs up a review anything pushes us up gets us some more listens supports us as a podcast share us about share us with two friends put us on your instagram story any small thing like that would do us the world of good thank you and we appreciate everyone taking the time to listen with everything that's going on and yeah keep supporting your podcasts out there not just us podcasts i think listens are overall down at the minute a little bit interestingly enough do your bit to support, absolutely. And thank you very much for choosing to listen and support. Thank us. you very much. And thank you to everyone that joined in the Instagram Live as well. So if you follow us on socials, keep an eye out for Instagram Lives. Cool. Right. We will catch you next time, next week, same time on Monday. Same time, same bat channel. <laughs> <laughs> See you in a bit, guys. Thank you. Bye.